0: welcome back to your home inspector training i am garth haslam the home medic Uh, subject today i want to talk about critters generally um but specifically the kind of uh, critters that have four legs Uh, we're going to talk about the kind that uh that have six or eight legs or two legs or no legs in other segments so um here we go. You know, the four-legged critters, of course, are going to include the mice, your rats, uh, raccoons, and squirrels, and we're going to talk about all of the above. First off, I want to get into why these guys are a problem. Now, as the home inspector, you um, might be under the assumption <clears throat> that your job is uh, is only to, you know, check out the the electrical, the plumbing, the roof the structure, insulation, ventilation, those sorts of things. And that is great, and it is true, but if you fail to uh to identify issues with uh with critters um your family goes unprotected, and um you're not as good an inspector as you should be, and you could be leaving your family uh very much in the lurch and in a very dangerous sort of a condition uh, I have seen where where critter feces and the problems that they cause. Uh, can be at least as big a deal as, for example, asbestos or lead or radon or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, To start with, I have a story that that I sometimes tell. I had a high school friend that called me up one day and she said, I think we have mold in our candle factory and she saw that i'd posted some home inspection related stuff and so she wanted me to find uh, the mold problem because for example her husband had gone to the home or to the hospital repeatedly he'd been there about 6 times and the doctors just could not figure out why he had such bad lung problems uh the the test didn't find anything and uh, nothing was making sense their business, they had a lot of other employees that had similar issues. So, um, you know, they had some very good employees. And if you've ever run a business, you know that once you've got a good employee, you keep them. Because those are the kind of people that, that will make a business succeed. Or in the other case, if you've got the bad employees, those are the ones that just kill you and cost you thousands of dollars. Um, But they lost some of those good employees because those guys just could not, uh, from a health standpoint, they couldn't afford to continue working there. So sometimes they thought it was uh, maybe, you know, part of the candle factory process. Sometimes they thought it was mold. So she called me up and she says, I think we have mold. I'd like you to find out where it is. So I went in there and I started, uh, you know, I got up onto the roof and first thing I noticed is you had these little piles of what looked like mud and as I looked closer it wasn't mud I could see there was swirls on the top side and uh, these were I'm going to say three or four inch diameter piles so I knew at that point it was feces and uh, and at this point I knew she didn't have mold it was it was something else Uh, I got into there and I thought, all right, you know, we, we have feces on the exterior of the property, and so I have some very strong suspicions what's going on. But I wanted to prove that they were inside the, the structure as well. So I started pushing um, the acoustic ceiling tiles around, and sure enough, um, we had the little mouse feces. And then as you look, those acoustic ceiling tiles, when they get urinated on, they leave little round dots. Now, all this time, uh, the occupants, the inside the business, they were thinking that those were roof leaks. Well, just for your own background, the difference between a roof leak and, and urine, or feces for that matter, a roof leak is going to leak from one place, and it's going to cause a fairly large water area. By contrast, if you've got little spots that are all over the place, that's not a roof leak, that's... That's something else. So that was further proof that we had critters into there. Another thing I did is I actually went into the uh, men's bathroom and I thought, all right, let's, because I'd seen, uh, I'd used a black light and you may or may not know that black lights will fluoresce when, uh, when they come up on anything that uh, is biological, blood, urine, feces, whatever, uh, it will fluoresce. By the way, if you want to see something gross, take a black light inside any bathroom. It's just disgusting. So I I took it inside the men's bathroom to see what's going on. And sure enough, you know, we had the the proof that the men were missing. But there was urine streaks on pretty much completely covering all three walls in the men's bathroom. And it was coming down from the ceiling on all three of those walls. Uh, apparently the, uh, the mice decided where it smelled like a, um, a bathroom, that that's where they were going to go to. So you had these streaks running down the entire eight foot wall of, of this bathroom. Now I didn't check the women's. I didn't need to, um, we knew what we knew. And so at this point I let her know, um, she, at that point, uh, to make the long story a little bit shorter. She ended up having to walk away from about $500,000 worth of improvements to that warehouse. And they moved to a different state and got their, uh, their business going in another location. Um, that was certainly one of the more expensive lessons for them. Turns out that there was some things they could have done. For example, their, um, their, some of their employees were leaving food. In their offices, and the critters were finding that, and so where there was food that was being left um, yeah the the mice etc were were sharing with the humans, and there was a lot more urine in the in those areas and there was um, there was a lot more health effects up there too so yeah, again, these sorts of issues are uh, a lot more dangerous in in that sort of a condition than for example radon may be, um, where EPA recommends or EPA's numbers are that you're affected if you're in there for 72 years. So I want you to understand, and the reason I tell you this story is I want you to understand that there are very real and, and serious health effects associated with having critters in the house. You need to make sure that you identify those and address those and protect your clients. Okay, let's move on then and just talk about identifying, to some extent, the, uh, the kinds of critters that you might see maybe in an attic or a crawl space based on the size of the feces. Now, the research that I do shows that mice are going to be about an eighth of an inch pellet, give or take. Um, by contrast, the research says that the bats are going to be more like a half of an inch pellet um, that's considerably larger. Based on the kind of bats that I see in my area, uh, the pellets are very similar in size. So, you know, it it will depend to some extent on uh, where you are physically located. And, of course, as a home inspector, it's not your job to be able to identify the uh, the critter based on the uh, the poop type, but you will, of course, get uh, some that's awesome points from your, your client if you can sound... Um, intelligent on on basically what you know based on what you're seeing. So the rat <coughs> is going to be more of a sausage. It's a quarter inch to three quarters of an inch. The squirrel is going to be a little bit bigger, half inch to maybe a, a one inch sausage. And the raccoon, of course, uh going to look more like a, a dog. It's going to be a sausage as well, up to about three quarters inch wide and um <clears throat> yeah obviously much bigger than than the rest of it uh, my experience is that uh yeah i see the uh, the feces sometimes in the middle of the attic while the uh urine especially for raccoons is going to be on the exterior of the outer corners apparently yeah that smells worse so you know, uh, there's always the 80-20 rule in pretty much everything, and as far as critters in the attic are concerned, uh, the 80% is going to be mice. Now, again, maybe you live in New York City and and, and there's a lot more rats, but for most of us it's going to be mice. Um, the first thing you're going to want to do, again, is identify and eliminate the reasons why, the, in this case, the mouse is there. And um, so this is, I think, an important part of what you do as the home inspector, especially in the uh, extended service, the the wow factor service, that's uh, going to get you uh, referred out more routinely. Um, So you're going to be looking for some things as relates to mice. Obviously, if you've got uh, the attic looking like there's hallways on the surface of the insulation or if the uh, mice you can see little 1-inch burrows where they uh, they'll dig in and uh, and make their home down below um if you look for those sorts of hallways and burrows quite often they can be fairly easy to find i went a number of years in my career as a home inspector without looking for them and then i didn't see them then one day i uh, i kind of had it uh, jump out and grab me to the point that i couldn't not notice since that time, um, I will see critter histories, uh, or active critter activity, um, in about half of the homes that I do. So, uh, that obviously is going to be a huge issue for the, uh, the client, and of course we all wish that they, they put as much effort and emphasis and, uh, and, uh, I don't know, importance might be the right word into other home inspection items like electrical and plumbing and heating and cooling and roofing and, and you know, ventilation and structure, those sorts of things. But um, those may be more important to you and I, but for a uh, a client, mice in the attic or in the space is probably second only to the real nasty issues like uh, meth and mold, et cetera. So, um... The next thing that they're going to ask you after they gasp is, "What should I do about this?" And quite often they'll suggest poisons or or that, and that's part of it. But again, you're going to want to eliminate, identify, and eliminate the uh, the root causes. One of those root causes is going to be trees that are too close to the house, or for that matter, vines. That's pretty much the same thing. If the critter has a very easy pathway onto the roof. Um, they seem to be able to find other pathways that allow them to get um, past the roof and into the attic and then into the rest of the house where they make a, uh, a nice mouse condo of the property. So as you're going around the property, uh, helping the client identify what and where, the first thing you want to look for is trees and vines as pathways for the, uh, the critters to get in. Now, if the home that you're inspecting has vinyl siding, those outer corners uh the the trim piece is uh is also known in certain circles as mouse elevators. Quite often you can get a mouse that starts down there and then that um, <clears throat> that corner piece is uh is going to be a direct pathway into as uh, you know whatever part of the home the uh, the mouse wants to go into. So make sure you look for the mouse elevators to the extent that they're there. Um, you can recommend to the client that they put in uh, they fill in the fill in the base, maybe put in some steel wool obviously uh, the mice don't like that and um, just disinvite the the mice to the extent that you can there at the mouse elevators. Next item is is gaps. Um, I will often see gaps that are more than large enough for mice to get into. Maybe at a um, central air condenser, um, where the uh, you got the two lines that go into and and out of the wall uh, into the house to the furnace. So quite often, I mean, you're going to have a um, a one inch diameter line and then a smaller line. I believe that's about a quarter inch, and in many cases, there will be a one and a half inch or a two inch hole uh, through which these uh, these pipes are um, are going, and there is more than enough space there for a critter to find their way into the house. Um, so, as you're as you're doing your perimeter inspection, you're going to want to notice that and write it up, point that as, as a way for, for critters to get into the house, and then again. If you find during the inspection that you do have critters, mice inside the house, uh, you're going to want to go back out and make sure you didn't miss something. And now that it's on your client's radar, it will mean more to him that we do have a gap going into the house there at the um, at the AC unit. Similarly, uh, sometimes you'll have stucco or siding on the house and um, the, there will be a gap between the foundation and the bottom of the siding where where mice can easily crawl up that way sometimes you're going to actually have siding where it's within you know an inch or two of the soil line and uh, a mouse can easily find his way through there sometimes and if you see this you absolutely need to write it up you'll actually see soil in direct contact with the siding uh, when that happens you've made uh, or somebody has made a very easy pathway for critters to get in completely undetected. So as one of the inspection points you're going to be looking for, for not only mouse reasons but other reasons, you're going to want to make sure that the um, the foundation is exposed for at least 6 to 9 inches before um, you've got the siding happening there. Sometimes people decide they want to have the same look, and that doesn't work so well. Same sort of thing with with stucco if you got the uh, bottom edge of the stucco that's happening and it's uh, too close to the, to the soil line maybe this the sellers have built up the soil line or whatever but um, need to not have the uh, the contact there or the ease of access for for mice i have a good friend who um she called me up one day and she's very mouse adverse um, she she had uh, noticed a mouse on her favorite sweater, and rather than just uh, shoo the mouse away and try to trap it and and uh, wash the sweater, she threw it away. And uh, this is a this is a lady who didn't have a lot of money, um, so the uh, the favorite sweater wasn't easily replaced uh for her what i uh what i did i went out there and you know the the task of course was help me find out why i have mice so i got looking on the exterior and i could see that there was some here and there in the inner backyard uh, underneath her patio there was a couple of mouse burrows and i thought yeah you do have mice out here um then i went around to the side <clears throat> then i went around to the side of the house and it uh, it started to tell me some things. You had more of the mouse burrows there in the grass, and this was you know early spring, I'm gonna say March, April. And um, she had a dryer vent that was just sticking out, I'm gonna say it was sticking out uh, about a foot. And um, there was no dryer vent to cover, so the mice were able to burrow around in the grass and then they wanted to go into her house. They had this big 4-inch diameter front door. So that's how they were getting in. And her bedroom and the laundry room were just on the other side of the wall. And that's where she was seeing the most of them. She also had a ton of um, of mice inside her basement. And so what I did, of course, was I, I cut that off the uh, the dryer vent so it wasn't protruding so far out away from the home. And then, of course, I put the dryer vent cover on it. It all cost, I don't know, 10 bucks and um, eliminated the the mouse entry into her house. I also went a little bit further and um, gave the the mice out there some vitamins so they um, they had to travel a little bit further um, before they could uh, go trying to get into her house again. All right so if you got the uncovered vents uh, and there there can be holes sometimes uh, it's a dryer vent hole sometimes it's a different kind of a hole but uh, People often completely forget on the exterior that they have direct pathways into the house that uh, mice will appreciate. Um, so just to to review on the mice, uh, the biggest signs of mice, I mean, obviously, if you've got food in the basement and you see the little mouse feces everywhere, you know, you've got uh, mice or a mouse history. Um, more commonly i 'm going to see the proof of mice up in the attic, and those would be little one inch diameter hallways and burrows that uh, that will tip you off. What I tend to tell people is that you know they always ask whether it 's active or a history, and um, uh, My answer to that is that if the reason why the mouse um, felt like he was invited in hasn 't changed then Nothing has changed. They're still there. So, the uh, again, identify and eliminate the reason why they're there. And, uh, and, and after that, then I tell them that they can go trapping mice and rats or whatever. Cellulose is going to leave a much lighter depression as opposed to blown-in batting. And you can see it, but it takes a very trained and careful eye. So, the remediation and inspection points, again, remove the food and shelter. Um, you know mice just like most of nature is fairly predictable uh at one level you can um you can identify easily what any critter is going to need and that's food and shelter so while they may be getting in in one of a thousand devious ways uh that's the goal is to eliminate those those two items food of course would be um whatever whatever may be upstairs, I know that in um, the case of my friend in the candle factory office, uh, they had a number of workers that were bringing in uh, you know cheetos, et cetera, and the uh, the mice were appreciating those as they uh, as they uh, shared with the workers. So uh, that's the food it has got to be eliminated. And then the shelter for me, shelter is eliminating the front door. Um, obviously, a, an attic is going to be a good space for, cri- for pretty much any critter because because the animals that eat them aren't likely to be up there. So that would be what the shelter is all about. And then, of course, I'm sure that any mouse or any other critter would rather live in an attic than live underneath a uh, uh three-foot snow swale. So you're looking for anything that could provide uh, the front door for shelter. Trees, vines, mouse elevators, holes, any of that. When you do go with traps, um, a lot of people think that uh, m- mice like cheese first, and that's actually down the list of ways. Uh, you're going to want to go with peanut butter. Uh, it's It does better. Similarly, and let's get into rats now. So, if you're going to trap a rat, first thing you want to do is uh tell them to just throw the traps up there unsprung, just they're just up there. The rats will mark the uh th- the trap as being safe by urinating on it, and after that is done, then you can be a lot more successful with a rat by uh by arming it at that point. Mouse traps will only irritate a rat and uh Reinforce to the rat that they don't want to mess around with traps so you don't want to try and use a mousetrap to to catch a rat signs you know if there's cleared areas or if there's remains uh in my case i'll save that story for when we talk about raccoons but if there's areas that have been cleared away especially up in the attic uh that will be a sign that uh, you might have rats going on there um you're going to want to go with snap traps, the, uh, the, the variety that are meant for rats. Those are going to be what works best and most humanely. Um, I am not going to pretend that I'm a guru on what sort of trap is most humane. I'm a home inspector and so are you, but the consensus among the uh, the research that I do is that the glue traps and some of those others are less humane and so um, the snap traps are apparently the way to go. Quick death probably better. So um, squirrels if you see a squirrel in the home you know there's a chance that you might need a permit to actually go after that squirrel in your home and you and I know that You know, if if you're living in areas in the mountains that have squirrels, well, I guess what you can tell them is they might need a permit and then just walk away. You and I know it's probably not going to happen, but at least you can provide that information that that they may need a permit to go after the squirrels in their home. Raccoons. Um, So if you see, you know, raccoons are... Based on my experience, they're pretty much everywhere. They do very well living in the uh, urban environment as well as uh, out in forest type lands. Um, I actually, in the home that I moved into, uh, I put the dog food outside and the raccoons quickly found it. So they lived underneath the deck, a deck that at the home I'm building in has a skirt that provided for a nice little shelter for those raccoons. So they couldn't be seen. Um, so we had a big old raccoon. I'm going to say he was probably 35 pounds and, um, and a female, and it didn't take too long before we could uh, see them going up and uh, eating my, my dog's dog food. So for those guys, you know, they can be mean. You're going to want to call a pro. Um, what the pro did at our place is he uh, brought out a trap, and actually the policeman we called the cops, and they brought out a trap, and it caught, the, uh, it caught the animal humanely, and then they took it off and it was disposed of. Uh, this is the kind of information you can provide your client to. Um, make sure that they understand that raccoons are just, uh, you know they're, they're not something that, that the amateur is going to want to deal with. Humane removal doesn 't apply if the raccoons are in the house. You know if you've got them in the attic, you have a much higher priority to get them out than you have a priority to get them out humanely uh, they 're causing way too much damage in a hundred different ways the feces the urine the um, the wiring that they can chew the uh, the insulation. Uh, the health effects associated with all the above, the risk for fires, uh, you need to get you need to advise the, the the home inspection or the the clients carefully, and help them to understand that um, if they're in the home, the humane removal option has gone away. They need to go. They need to be eliminated right now. And uh, again, uh, as always identify and eliminate the reason why the raccoons are there. Sometimes you'll have, uh, you know, the tree that goes up onto the roof and then the raccoons will actually find a place where they can push through the siding and get into the home. It's amazing. Some of the homes that I've seen that have raccoons in the attic, I would circle and circle that roof trying to find how they were doing it. And I just couldn't see how they were were doing it. I did see a home where a cat jumped about three to four feet from a tree branch to the the rain gutter. And you know that that same cat was doing the same thing backwards. And if a cat can do it, a raccoon can do it. So they do have some athletic ability. Um, But you know make sure that uh, that sort of thing is if if you see that that it's high on the the client's list uh they're they may be cute but they are dangerous and um they can be yeah there's pet issues the list just goes on and on so spring traps are more humane than glue but again if you if they're inside just get them out uh they they need to die and be gone so signs, you've got cleared areas or remains. One of the inspections that I did was uh, I got up and there was a cleared area and just one feather left in uh, in the space located right next to the attic hatch. And uh, I could see from the trails on the surface of the insulation that that raccoon was getting in from a dormer um, type of a space and so I got over there and it was, well, I actually got over there, not in the attic because the attic was too shallow for me to, to move around in. so I went back up to the roof and tried to see how that raccoon was getting in. I could not identify that, but he was. And, um, so again, these are the kinds of things you're going to want to be looking for as you, uh, as you serve your clients well, um, this kind of stuff obviously is not uh is not the the electrical the heating and cooling etc uh but it is the kind of thing that's going to get you noticed and remembered um, if you cover your bases with the electrical etc you will be as good as uh most of the inspectors in your area but if you take this beyond that mark and you you have some background in for example, Fort legged critters, um, this is the kind of stuff that just gets you referred out, and then business just flows to you, and people start appreciating what you do. It's a lot more fun to do the same sort of routine every day when you know that people are appreciating it, and they're more than happy to pay your fee. That makes the job just a lot more fun. Okay, uh, take care of your clients. Uh, appreciate them, do whatever it takes to go above and beyond and make sure that they understand that you're there not only to to do a job but to serve them, honor them, etc um, Homemedicusa.com and as always go out there make me proud.